Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome back to the Liz Wheeler Show. The way I look at it, the bar, if we are going to expel members of a legislature, whether this is a federal legislature or a state legislature, has got to be way up here. So in Tennessee, the Tennessee legislature, which is controlled by Republicans, it's a Republican Speaker of the House, expelled two Democrat members of that legislature for being involved in the transurrection. You remember when these radical gun control activists breached the Tennessee state capitol, breached the floor of the legislature and the mainstream media who still to this day cares about, pretends to care about January 6th, didn't say a word about these radical gun control activists that weren't saying anything about the queer theory that motivated the Nashville shooter, weren't saying anything about the Christians that were gunned down because they were Christian, but instead wants the government to take your guns. And when the legislature said, you know, that's not our authority to take away people's guns. These radical gun control activists breached the Tennessee state capitol and several Democrat legislatures, lawmakers took part in this. And I want to show you the video of what they did. There were three members, three Democratic members of the Tennessee state house, um, Representative Gloria Johnson, Representative Justin Jones, and Representative Justin Pearson. And what you'll see in this video is the chaos on the floor of this legislature. You will see them leading the transurrectionists. They're, they're talking into bullhorns. They're the leaders of these chants. And I want you to listen very closely to what these members or these former members of the Tennessee state legislature are saying, what they are chanting. They are chanting, no action, no peace. Take a look at this. You can see the three of them right there, talking to a bullhorn, leading the protesters who had breached this legislature. They're not supposed to be there. Even members of their own party, members of the Democratic Party in the state of Tennessee were trying to get these three representatives to stop doing what they're doing because they had, they were violating the stand, the permanent rules, the permanent house rules in the state of Tennessee so badly, so flagrantly. But listen very closely to what they're about to chant. chilling, isn't it? No action, no peace. So the bar to expel members of a legislative body who are duly elected by the people has got to be way up here. And the way that you analyze this is you analyze this in two ways. First of all, is this respecting the people, the voters that put these representatives in this legislature? Is this trying to take away the voice of the people and just dictate yourself who you want to be in the legislative body? Or is this is this an appropriate inappropriate behavior? And the analogy that I'm going to use here is like what the Democrats tried to do to Donald Trump when he was president. They tried to impeach him multiple times. They've tried to they actually have indicted him and arrested him because they don't want to respect the voters. They hate us. They don't want us to be part of 
our representative republic. They want to be the ones that just dictate who the politicians are and who the bureaucrats are that are making rules over our lives. So when, when Trump was impeached, I thought, well, you know what? They're actively trying to subvert the will of the people. This is not the way that even the democracy, I know we don't live in a democracy, we live in a republic, but the Democrats always use that word, democracy. This is not how a democracy works. A democracy works by respecting the will of the people. The people said they wanted President Trump. That should be respected. The bar to subvert the will of the people is so extremely high because we respect the voice of the voter um, to that extent, that it has to be literally a high crime or misdemeanor for the president of the United States to be removed outside of just the voters voting him out. I feel the same way about a member of a legislature, even if it is not the president of the United States, even if it's a state legislator, a state legislator, this is still someone who is representing, who was elected to represent the people. And we should take that very, very seriously. So there's two ways that we need to analyze whether this is right and proper. The first way is from a legal standpoint. A legal standpoint, meaning, well, does the Tennessee state legislature actually have a right to do this? Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. So the first question that we have to ask here is, is it legal for the Tennessee state legislature to expel two members that were duly elected members? The people voted to put these individuals in, um, in the state government. And the answer to that is yes. All you have to do is look at the rules of the House, which I'm bringing up right now. The rules of the House say that when a, and I'm paraphrasing here, when a member of this legislature enters the well, which is where you saw these state legislators down at the, at the front, enters the well without first gaining recognition from the Speaker of the House, that is a violation of the permanent rules of the House. So not even rules that change depending on who, which party is in charge of the House of Representatives. That's a permanent rule of the House that these members violated. Also, speaking into the mic, likewise, without recognition from the speaker, is a violation of the rules of the House. These members, as you saw, were not just speaking into a mic. They had a bullhorn that they had pulled out of their coats, which means that this was pre-planned. This was premeditated. This wasn't them getting carried away with passion or emotion or, you know, political energy here. They had plotted to do what they were doing. There are actually reports that these members wanted to be arrested because they wanted the spectacle of the thing which makes sense given what we saw. The Speaker of the House in this situation then called these members to order, giving them an opportunity to comply, to behave themselves. 
all three of them refused and in fact continued to disrupt House proceedings, which is another violation of the rules of the House. Um, This forced the Speaker of the Tennessee State House to gavel the House into recess, which if you needed any proof that this was disruptive to proceedings, that is your proof. The House Speaker, who otherwise would not have gaveled into recess, was forced to gavel into recess. And then it was Jones specifically, Representative Jones, former Representative Jones, that pulled that bullhorn from his coat and led the crowds in chants. He then passed the bullhorn back and forth between, um, he, he passed it to Pearson and Pearson passed it back to Jones. And then it was House Democrat leadership ultimately who removed these three members of their own caucus from the well of the Tennessee State House. So if we're looking at this purely from a legal standpoint, do um, does the Tennessee State Legislature have a, have a right? Do they have the power given to them to remove or to expel these members? The answer is a resounding yes. They certainly do. Of course they do. They, they, this isn't something they had to legislate. This isn't rules they had to make up. This wasn't something arbitrary that they did or decided to do based on this particular incident. It was a clear violation of pre-existing rules. So they have every, every right within the book to expel these members. So that's very important to establish because the narrative that's being propagated right now by the left is that Republicans expelled these members actually because they're black men is the, is the narrative, and we'll get to that in just a second, didn't expel the white woman Democrat who was standing next to them. We'll also get to that in a second. Um, but legally, they broke the rules. Therefore, the Tennessee state legislature has a right to expel these members. That's the first question. The second question is, when you're talking about how high the bar should be to circumvent the will of the people to expel a member of a legislator or of a legislature from this body, even though they've been elected by the people, the second question is a moral question. Is it the right thing to do? Because you can do something that's legal and it's still an immoral thing to do. So we've established that it's legal, but is it moral? And this question has, this is the part of the question that I'm actually very excited to talk about because it is so critically important that we understand what it is that we are facing, that we understand what these members of the Tennessee State Legislature, who most of us had never heard of before, no idea who these people are, what weren't familiar with their names, don't know their track records, but what they are doing, acting complicitly in a radical, revolutionary ideology, a neo-Marxist ideology, essentially propping up queer theory as we are facing across the country a spate of violence or potential violence that was thwarted just in time by law enforcement in the name of queer theory. These Tennessee state legislators were enabling this kind, the the activists that stand for queer theory. This is extremely dangerous. Now, of course, the left doesn't want you to think about this. So they, they are hurling at Tennessee Republicans allegations that, that the Republicans are racist for voting to expel the two black men and not the white woman. And at first glance, you might think, oh, is that true? Because if so, that's not a good look. But of course, this is just critical race theory, right? Everything is through the lens of race. Everything has to be through the lens of race. And that's not at all true. The difference, the reason why the white female was not expelled is because she did not use the bullhorn. It was not passed to her. She was in the well without permission. She disregarded the speaker when the speaker told her to leave, but she was not using a bullhorn to lead the chant. She was not inciting the crowds. And so she she saved her seat during this vote, this expulsion vote. She survived this vote just by one, one, one vote. That's all, one vote. And the reason for that, the, the particular 
member of this legislator, legislature that voted to keep her, not to expel her, said it's because she was not using that bullhorn. So is that race? I don't think so. It's a difference in the actions that they took. So don't let the left gaslight you. This is the dialectic, right? This is the Marxist dialectic. Dialectic, it means the oppositional forces that Marxists try to marry together or they try to reconcile, right? So a Marxist dialectic and critical race theory is this idea that all white people are inherently racist because, not because of how they feel or how they think or how they treat people of another race, but because everything that they have and everything that they achieve is built on the quote-unquote shoulders of white supremacy versus black people who are inherently oppressed because they are obviously going to be institutionally disadvantaged because of the converse reason that white people are institutionally advantaged. The dialectic is how do you reconcile that in a society? And the dialectic leads to what the left offers as a solution is, oh, Marxism. If you want to make things truly just, truly fair, truly equitable, they say, then you will accept a Marxist outlook. You will accept a a Marxist government. But this is the Marxist dialectic that we see inherent even to this situation that's happening in Tennessee. We see the left try to apply this Marxist strategy even in defense of their own members who did something heinously wrong. We are seeing across the nation a spate, an outbreak of violence committed by transgender terrorists or wannabe transgender terrorists. And this is no coincidence. It's not copycat behavior. This is exactly, like we were talking about last week, this is exactly what the transgender ideology and queer theory was intended to do. And most people who have bought into the transgender ideology, most people who quote unquote respect neo-pronouns or think that you know it's your body, your choice, you can do whatever you want, don't understand what they've bought into. And if we don't understand, if we don't repeat this until every person in the country understands what queer theory is, aside from the brutality of the surgeries and the obliteration of objective truth, like a man cannot be a woman and a woman can't be a man and children can't consent to this, those are all valid concerns. But if we don't also understand how the Marxism of queer theory works and what it's intended to do, if we are blinded by the violation of humanity, which is also very important, obviously, then we're going to continue to see transgender terrorism. Trans-Tifa is going to be the next Antifa. We are going to see school shooters and bank shooters, like what happened in Louisville, which we'll talk about in a little bit, that are that have bought into this, that are motivated by this because this is what it was intended to do. Um, Republicans have not always responded well in politics when it comes to using the power of government to rectify the damage that the left is inflicting on our system. And what I mean by that is Republicans in the Tennessee state legislature did exactly right voting to expel these members. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, you guys might remember a decade ago when Andrew Breitbart said that politics is downstream of culture. And it was this wake up moment for a lot of people in the conservative movement because we had moved away from the culture. We had rejected Hollywood. We had rejected pop culture. We had almost created a parallel economy the way that we are now, except instead of offering something different as an alternative to the leftist culture, we just said, well, we don't really need pop culture. We don't really need Hollywood. We, we might offer a little bit of alternative, maybe Christian mu- music, maybe a little, a few more conservative movies, independent, independently funded movies, but we didn't really offer an alternative structure. We just kind of removed ourselves from pop culture. And Andrew Breitbart, when he said politics is downstream of culture, was this wake-up call for a lot of us that said, well, wait a second. Even if we don't care about the Emmys, even if we don't care about the Grammys, even if we don't, even if we're not going to movie theaters and watching these these movies that are essentially funded with the Chinese Communist Party in mind, even if we're not listening to rap music, we're not listening to Lizzo, we're not watching Harry Styles and One Direction and all of that and watching people on TikTok, even if we're totally fine stepping outside of pop culture, we really need to focus on that. It's, It's actually what you and I talk about quite frequently, that even if we don't really care ourselves about you know, for example, Sam Smith at at the Grammys uh, dressed up as Satan, even if we're not watching that show, we have to care about what that message is. We have to care about what that performance is because like it or not, that performance is impacting a lot of people. Though what's happening at the, the Super Bowl halftime show, how many millions of people saw that? How many millions of young people saw that? Pop culture does shape the way that especially young people think about pivotal issues whether that's sex, whether that's marriage, whether that's race, whether that's any of the cultural, any of the, the uncomfortable social topics is what I call them. Anything that um, that people, a lot of conservatives are like, oh, I'd rather talk about taxes and the economy. Any social issue, any uncomfortable social issue, young people are oftentimes, their views on that are not formed anymore by church or by religious instruction in school or even by their parents. It's formed by what they see on TikTok, what they hear about in pop culture. And Obviously, there's a there's a crossover between TikTok and pop culture now. Um, and we as conservatives have to care about that because otherwise we're just gonna be sitting outside of pop culture fighting the politics fight while while the culture is shaping people, shaping young people in a way that they can't even hear or understand what we're talking about when we're talking about just political issues. So when Andrew Breitbart said politics is downstream of culture, it was a wake-up call for a lot of us. But I think that there was a... a um, I think the many conservatives misunderstood what he meant when he said that. They understood that to mean, okay, well, if you fight the culture wars, then that will have a natural that will naturally trickle into politics. So if you take your family to church, if you make sure they're properly educated in American history, if you pray, if you act responsibly and don't go into debt, if you do all of these different things in your own life, forming your own families, then that's all you need to do. That's all you need to do. If you create that strong family unit, then that'll just have this, this effect on, on politics, and that's how, that's how we'll win the culture back. 
And I think a lot of conservatives understood what Andrew Breitbart said to be first, okay, we do have to care about pop culture, but also the way to fight back against pop culture is to just make sure that you are educating yourself, operating properly, creating your family the way that you want with the views that you want, and that'll that'll carry over into pop culture. And I don't think that that's the only thing that conservatives should be doing. I don't think that that's the proper interpretation of what Andrew Breitbart probably meant, although I don't want to put words into his mouth a decade later. But conservatives have forgotten that it is well within our right to use the power of the government when we have it to fight cultural issues. And the Tennessee legislature is a perfect example of this. We didn't, Republicans in the Tennessee state legislature didn't say, okay, we don't like the behavior of these three Democrats. We are going to create a new rule just to apply to them. We are going to expel them just arbitrarily because we want to. No. What Republicans in the Tennessee state legislature did is they said, okay, what tools are already at our disposal? What powers or authority have the people of the state of Tennessee already given us? And how do we use this to pursue and enact the values that we represent in Tennessee? And the answer to that is the people of Tennessee, by nature of these permanent rules of the House, of the, of the uh, Tennessee state house, already gave the legislature the power to expel members when the members violated the rules. And so these Republicans did exactly correct. In fact, they're, they should be viewed as leaders of the Republican Party. I, I, I repeat what I said at the beginning, the bar for expelling members of a, legislator, of a legislature when they are duly elected, which they are, is extremely high. But when they do violate a rule, we on the right don't have to say, well, we really shouldn't do anything. We really should just scold and make a statement and censure them. No, no. You should use the powers of the government to do what's right. And this is true. This is true not just in the Tennessee state legislature. This is true all across the country. Uh, governors, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a good example of one. Ron DeSantis is another example of one who analyze the power that they have as a governor, the power that they already have, that the people have already given to the chief executive of the state, and they use those powers to actually achieve the agenda items that Republicans desire, and more importantly, that we need if we are to secure our republic. And Republicans oftentimes, I think in the last maybe 50 years, Republicans have gotten, the Republican Party, I should say, have gotten very libertarian. We've, we've gotten very skeptical of government. We want government as small and as disassociated from our personal lives as possible, which I get. I feel that way as well. And the reason for that is twofold. The reason for that is because we don't want government to become so large that they abuse their power. Because we know that when politicians have the power to abuse, they always do it. It's just a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. Um, we also want libertarianism because we want the license to do as we so choose, which is not always the right thing to do. But regardless, this bent towards libertarianism that the Republican Party has embraced in the last 50 years has left us with a feeling of wrongness whenever it is that we have the power in government to use. We think, oh, well, we want to solve this problem without the government. We don't want the government to get involved. We want to solve this just with a family, or we want to solve this just with just with fight, offering this alternative to Hollywood. We don't want to use, God forbid, the government. And this is wrong. This is totally wrong. 
This is not how the Republican Party should be acting at all. The Republican Party should be analyzing the powers of the government that they already have and using those powers to enact the agenda items that Republicans want, that we stand for. The Tennessee state legislature is a perfect example of this, but we need to continue doing this in the face of um, this assault of transgenderism. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on The First TV. Watch The First on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. So this past week, the Biden administration dropped a new Title IX rule It was the Department of Education that did this. Title IX is, of course, um, governing governing parity, if you will, between men and women in education. So this, 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 the Biden Department of Education, let me just tell you what they did. They dropped a new Title IX rule that essentially prohibits schools across the country from who receive federal funding, which all schools do, right? If they enforce statewide laws that prohibit biological boys. I know that's redundant, but because we are comparing biological boys to uh, to those who identify as, as, as girls, that ban biological boys from entering a girl's locker room or playing on a girl's sports team. So the Biden Department of Education said, listen, schools, if you receive federal taxpayer dollars here, we are issuing a new rule, a new interpretation of a rule that says that if you don't allow men who identify as women to play on women's sports teams, then you're going to lose that federal funding. When I saw this, I thought to myself, you know what? I actually kind of respect that. I don't like how our system works. I don't like the administrative state. I don't like that it's essentially technocracy. I don't like that these bureaucrats who are unelected, unaccountable to us, and virtually unfireable have the power to just, quote unquote, reinterpret a rule in order to force their partisan political agenda on states who have passed laws around the nation. I don't like that. I hate that. I want to abolish the administrative state so they have no power. But while they do have the power, why is it that only Democrats use that power? Why is it that Republicans sit back and because we'd rather the administrative state doesn't exist, we refuse to take part in it when we could have done the same thing? Why is it that Republicans, when we were in power, did not say, you know what? Every hospital in the entire United States that touches a dime of Medicare or Medicaid money, which is federal money, is going to lose every last cent of that if they prescribe puberty blocking pharmaceuticals to children suffering from gender disorders, if they prescribe cross-sex hormone therapy in the name of gender identity, and if they perform any kind of transgender surgeries, you're gonna lose all of it, every dime of Medicare and Medicaid. Do you know what would have happened if 
Hospitals were threatened with losing Medicare and Medicaid if they continued to perform transgender surgeries and prescribe transgender hormones. They would have stopped prescribing transgender hormones and performing transgender surgeries because they rely on Medicare and Medicaid. And all it would have taken is a Republican administration to do that. The same with abortion. Medicare, Medicaid. They essentially fund hospitals. Hospitals can't do without them. And if a Republican administration said, you know what, if you perform abortions, then we are not going to give you a dollar of federal money, then most hospitals would have stopped doing that. And so I kind of respect what the Biden administration has done here. They are here to win the fight. That's the thing about the left. They fight. They're savage. They want to win. They will, they will analyze the process and use every tiny iota of power that they've been given in politics as elected officials, as bureaucrats, to exact their political agenda. Now, like I said, it doesn't mean that I like the administrative state. It doesn't mean I like the Department of Education. I think we should abolish the Department of Education. I think we should abolish the administrative state. I don't like that our legislator, our legislature at the federal level has essentially given away their legislative powers. I don't like that they, they craft these vague bills that require clarification by executive agencies to implement and execute these laws. I think that's bonkers. I don't like that our judicial system allows the U.S. Congress to delegate their legislative authority to the executive branch. I think it's a violation of the separation of powers doctrine. I don't like any of that. But while it exists, if the left takes advantage of it and we don't, we're just going to lose time and time again. Time and time again. It's like ballot harvesting. We talk about this ballot harvesting apparatus that the left has built. We talk about the fact that they essentially use election season, not just election day, to win elections. And we don't like that. We want voting day to be one day. We want people to vote in person on paper ballots at the polls. But if we act like that's the rule because we want it to be the rule and we neglect to target voters, invite them to vote, engage in ballot harvesting, do early voting months in advance, if we neglect to do that because we'd prefer it doesn't exist, we are going to continue to lose. Republicans must understand the battle that we're fighting. This is not just a disagreement over certain policy issues with political opponents that share our fundamental values. This is an existential fight for our republic. And if we don't utilize all the tools that we have to win this fight, then we're going to lose. Our country is on the verge of revolution. Riley Gaines, the swimmer from the University of Kentucky who was deprived of a championship because of Leah Thomas, formerly Will Thomas, the man who swam for three years at the University of Pennsylvania as a man, and then quote unquote transitioned to a woman and just obliterated the women's competition and won all kinds of NCAA titles. Riley Gaines has been speaking out against the against men in women's sports because she was personally hurt by it and because all women and all men should speak out against this. When she was at the uh, San Francisco State University talking about this, she was forced to hide in a classroom for three hours because radical transgender activists not only barged in on her event, but physically assaulted her. Physically assaulted her. She posted a video and I want you to take a look at it. This is element number four, Matt. Okay, so what you're seeing right now, I'm gonna narrate this 
because it's not perfectly clear. She has her phone out while she's being escorted away from the podium, escorted away from the violence. This is security and police trying to get her to safety. And look at what these transgender activists have done to her. Because they want men who claim to identify as women to be treated as real women, to be allowed in women's sports. A man dressed in a dress hit her, physically assaulted her. This is the transgender ideology. The transgender ideology is the outgrowth of queer theory. Queer theory teaches transgenderism for a reason. Can you imagine if this was your daughter or your wife or your sister? You saw those activists. Those activists were enraged. They were essentially frothing at the mouth. And why is that? Why is it that they care so much about a biological man playing on a women's sports team? Why, why, why are they so enraged about this? They're enraged about this because they're fearful. They're fearful because they have been told that they are on the verge of being mass murdered. They've been told that the right is about to, about to um, commit a genocide against them. And they're so feel, fearful for their lives that they think even a girl who swam in college, who said, you know what, it's not really fair to swim against a biological male and this should be obvious to everyone and so I'm gonna speak out about it. They think that she is an actual threat to their lives. Now, why do they think this? This is not rational, this is not logical, this is not accurate, this is not reality. Why do they think that? They think that because they have been told by queer theorists and those who propagate queer theory that anybody who is LGBTQIA+, so gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, and all the rest of them, they have been told that they are so marginalized that they have no rights, they have no equality, that they are at risk of being murdered at any time, and that they're going to be subject to a genocide. And the reason that they're told this is not because it's true. Gay people, lesbian people have equal rights in our country. There, there's, there's no there's no law against homosexuality. There's no law against uh, cohabitating with whoever you choose, whatever adult consenting partner you choose. Gay marriage is now federally recognized, so you can actually even, quote unquote, get married to someone of the same sex. There's no, there's no institutional discrimination against gay people in our country anymore. They have, they have equality. Our, our culture is very tolerant. There's tolerance, there's inclusion, all of that. But what the left has done is they have indoctrinated these young people and told them that they're on the verge of genocide and that the only thing that they can do to defend their lives is to overthrow those who want to hurt them. And they've been told that those who want to hurt them are straight, white, quote unquote, cisgender Christians. So what these queer theorists have done is they have harnessed LGBTQIA plus youth as revolutionaries. Because that's exactly what queer theory is. It's a neo-Marxist revolutionary ideology. It's an inherently violent ideology. They want this clash. They want this violent clash between these marginalized LGBTQIA people and their oppressors, their oppressors, the, the, the straight white cis Christians. This is the Marxist dialectic again. This, this, this 
competition or this, these two opposing factions, and how do you reconcile those two factions? Well, the only, re the only reconciliation possible would be Marxist revolution. And so when we see first the Nashville shooter that, that killed three children and three adults at the Christian school, who was a woman who identified as a man, used Marxist neo-pronouns, a manifesto that we have not been shown yet because we know what's inside. We know that there is queer theory inside this manifesto and the LGBTQIA lobby doesn't want us to know that, but they also don't want all of the people that they have brainwashed to realize that they're just being used as pawns. So we have that. And then in Colorado, there was a 19-year-old young man named William Whitworth who was arrested because William Whitworth, who identifies as female, this transgender identifying person, and goes by the name Lily, was planning to shoot up schools. Why? For the same reason. The same reason. Because these people who are already mentally ill, they're already struggling with body image, they might be struggling with some kind of gender dysphoria, they are maybe struggling with their sexual orientation, they're struggling because they have no faith, our culture has abandoned young people, and then they're told that they're on the verge of extinction and that their only recourse is to basically go on attack first. And so we shouldn't be surprised. In, in Louisville, this shooter, this 23-year-old named Connor Sturgeon, who murdered five people in the bank where he used to work and injured eight others, if you look at his LinkedIn profile, we have a picture of this. This is element number five, Matt. Look at that. It says Connor Sturgeon. And what's next to his name? Oh, will you look at that? It's neo-pronouns. It's Marxist neo-pronouns, he, him. So he appears to be an actual man. I don't know that for a fact. He appears to be an actual man. But just the fact that he would put pronouns on his LinkedIn profile shows that intellectually he has fallen prey to queer theory. Maybe he doesn't have body gender issues. Maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't have sexual orientation issues. We don't know yet. We haven't, we haven't seen any of that evidence yet. But he's fallen for this ideology, this ideology that's inherently violent, this ideology that calls for revolution, this ideology that pits one group of people as marginalized against another group of people who have been labeled as oppressors. And the only solution to this is Marxist revolution. I want us to keep talking about the children who have been harmed by the transgender ideology. I want us to keep talking about people like Jazz Jennings, who've been abused by his parents, whose body has been mutilated, whose fertility has been ruined, whose mental health is still horrible. I want us to keep talking about that for the sake of those individual children, for the sake of those, the souls of those individual children. I want us to talk about the pharmaceutical abuse that's happening here because the medical community is complicit in some of the most evil behavior that I have ever seen in my lifetime. We saw this with COVID, but this is true, COVID notwithstanding, that doctors and nurses, medical practitioners and big pharma are willing to let their products be abused or to create products for abuse so that they can profit. I want us to expose places like Planned Parenthood that prescribes cross-sex hormone therapy, just all you have to do is make a phone call to Planned Parenthood and they'll prescribe this. No, no rigorous mental health background, nothing like that. They'll just give you these, these drugs if you want them. I want us to expose all of that. I want us to expose the hospitals that have quote unquote gender clinics. I want us to expose the hysterectomies and the mastectomies that are performed on young women. I want us to talk about the detransitioners 
who maybe they transitioned a long time ago. Maybe they're they're middle-aged now almost. Maybe they're in their 30s or their 40s and they regret what they've done. It didn't cure their gender disorder. They still feel, they still have all these comorbidities, these other mental health issues. I want us to talk about those people because the humanity of those people matters. But I want the American public I want you and me and our families and our friends, our relatives, our communities, the people we go to church with, the people our children go to school with. I want everyone. When we think about the transgender ideology, to understand that it's Marxism. The same way that we slowly understood that critical race theory was also Marxism. First, we understood it just to be racism. We understood that telling a white child that they're racist because they're white is is racist. We understood that telling a black child that they're oppressed because they're black is insulting and racist. And parents rejected that on that grounds only. And then once we fully understood that, then then we started to understand that the background of this, the ideological underpinning of critical race theory is Marxism and that the purpose of critical race theory is the exact same is the exact same as the purpose of queer theory it is to divide people into different factions this time by race black people versus white people and tell black people that they're so marginalized and so oppressed that their only recourse is to overthrow the so-called white supremacist institutions of our society and our government whether this is the criminal justice system and law enforcement defund the police anyone or the nuclear family which is on black lives matter website and white people in general. You shouldn't have space, you shouldn't talk, white men shouldn't get jobs. The only recourse to this is a revolution. Why do you think we saw such violence from the Black Lives Matter riots? They were told that they should fear for their lives. They're so marginalized, they were told, they should fear for their lives. They could just be shot while walking, shot while walking black. They're told that if a police officer pulls them over, that they're at risk of being assassinated, of being executed, of being murdered. That's not true. But they had to, the the critical race theorists had to spark such existential fear in the hearts and minds of, of black people so that they actually revolted against our society, revolted against white people. And that's the same thing with queer theory. We should speak out against the abuse it inflicts, the lies that it tells to individual people that leads to the abuse inflicted on their bodies. But then we should understand the Marxism that is behind queer theory. Because if we don't, then Billboard Chris being attacked by transgender people, brutally assaulted, punched in the nose, Riley Gaines being physically assaulted by a man wearing a dress because she doesn't want a boy to be swimming against her in the NCAA championships, the Nashville shooter, the Colorado shooter that would be the Louisville shooter who bought into these neo-pronouns, this is not going to be the exception for very long. This is going to be the norm. This is going to be what our country is if we don't understand that queer theory is an inherently violent ideology whose purpose is to create transgender terrorists. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.